Hey guys, it's Sean, and I'm here to introduce you to a bonus episode of Real Blend because we have an interview with filmmaker Abel Ferrara and his leading man, Ethan Hawke. They're joining us for their new film, Zeros and Ones. This is a really unique opportunity to speak to a filmmaker like Abel, uh, who works in the independent realm, does a lot of really gritty sort of independent films, uh, is a true New Yorker, and has worked uh, on on films that you would probably recognize uh, where he's collaborated with the likes of Harvey Keitel uh, and Willem Dafoe. He makes really offbeat and very signature films uh, that really resonate with the types of stories that he wants to tell. And this one in particular uh, casts Ethan Hawke as two brothers. Uh, Ethan Hawke plays both characters, and they're both on completely opposite sides of a very political discussion. Uh, One is an investigator who is trying to stop a terrorist attack from happening, and the other brother is uh, buried in the sect that is going to pull off the attack. So we talked a lot about, um, especially with Ethan Hawke, balancing how difficult it is to get uh, passion plays made in Hollywood nowadays versus uh, the franchise films. He does talk about joining the MCU because he is part of Moon Knight and it's really interesting to hear his perspective about why he takes work like that. Uh, And then just Abel, too, who, as you'll see over the course of the conversation, doesn't really love interviews, uh, but has a lot of great insight when he does open up about the filmmaking process. And uh, I I thought it was really funny that he just kind of loves that he had a a movie star and Ethan Hawke there to back him up. So uh, we had a lot of fun with this conversation. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. A bonus episode of Real Blend, Abel Ferrara and Ethan Hawke talking about zeros and ones. Good, good, good. We're going to dive right in. Um, we are a filmmaker's podcast. We encourage you guys to get as geeky as possible about the about the, the process. And so, Abel, I'd like to start here with you. Um, there's an effect that you use periodically in the film where the, the film stock almost shifts to look like an exposed negative, but then you fill it with such vibrant color. Sometimes it's like an icy blue. Uh, there's a moment after the sex scene where it's this eye-catching yellow. And so for a film that's mostly uh, set in shadow and, and sort of lit by natural light, I kind of wanted to know first how you get that uh, effect and secondly, why you chose to use it every once in a while. Well, I mean, that's the camera the character was using. I mean, he's a, he's a soldier at war, basically. So, I mean, he's not taking temperature readings. He's not, you know... You know, he's using a camera he thinks is his ideal at the moment, whether it's a uh, night, you know, night vision or, you know, so whatever the choice is, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So once once you start from that point, you know, of reality, you could go anywhere on the other side of that, mm-hmm. you know, it comes back to the zeros and ones. I mean, you know, the change once we went you know, the change to the digital, you know, there's a lot maybe lost, but what's gained is the manipulation of the, uh, of the image. True. Very and when you could use that manipulation, then now you're in just pure, now it's your pure art. It's your pure vision. It's the editor's feeling the color at that moment. And because it's, it's locked into the character's cam, the reality of the character's camera, which could be anything, right. then we, you know, we get maybe, uh, you know, we get, get pretty free, bro. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you. Wow. Um, Ethan, we often hear actors tell us, you know, when, when working with an acclaimed director, like, look, they could have pitched me the phone book and I would have signed on to it. You're at this point in your career where really you can 
pick and choose basically any role or movie or, or, or TV show or series or limited series that you want. So at this point in your career, to what degree do you choose based on the role and to what degree do you choose based on the director? Well, first off, I have to say, I wish what you said is true. I think one of the things, <laughs> one of the, one of the things that I would, is fascinating about spending 30 years as an, in an industry is very, very few people can do whatever they want. Um, it's, it's shockingly hard for really accomplished people at, the, at this medium to get financing for movies. It just always is. And uh, there's certain people that somehow manage to get a pass, somehow they follow their heart and they are true to themselves and they make other people money. Most of the time, what really opens doors for film financing is your ability to make people money. And the more interested you are in independent film and independent thought, the less likely you are to make people cash. You know, it's just, I always, I make this joke to young actors is there's a direct relationship to how much you get paid and how interesting the job is. The more you get paid, the less interesting the job. It's just <laughs> the better your lines, the less you're getting paid. You know, uh, you want to, you know, you want to do King Lear, you're not going to get paid to do it. Okay. Uh, if you want to sell butter beans, you probably make a lot of money doing that. Um, and uh, so the life of an actor is, is a strange one. I've always tried to achieve some level of balance where I get to be in the game and uh, I'm lucky because I, I have a love of a lot of different kinds of movies. I love all movies. I love being in them. And it's one of the ways I push, I challenge myself is just to be in, to work inside different genres. Uh, I, it, it turns me on, but I feel like the primary job of the actor is, um, to facilitate the life of the filmmaker. I mean, is to find directors, young people and experienced people and to be their champion and be an extension of their imagination and to try to make their ideas work. And I love Abel's movies. I've loved them for a long time. We've, all, we've almost worked together a handful of times. And I always regretted the fact that it didn't happen. And I saw his last film, Tommaso, and uh, uh, the last one I had seen. and. I just thought it was staggeringly brilliant. And I thought that this is a major artist in our medium and he was gonna go to war against COVID. You know, he's gonna try to not let the pandemic stop us from communicating with each other and making movies and singing songs and trying to make rock and roll, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I just admired it and I wanted to be a part of it. So it was extremely simple choice, uh, but the fact that any of us get to do what we want to do all the time. I mean, you know, <laughs> if Abel and I could have gotten paid to do this and made it, you know, maybe we would have made it a lot better. You know, uh, we had a very limited time. We had very limited means, but I always secretly think sometimes those uh, obstacles enhance creativity. Mm -hmm. So, uh, there it well, is. there's a question about the, about the process uh, and the formation of these characters, because when I see two brothers uh, and Ethan, you get to play play both of them, both sides of that coin. And they're so vastly divided in their ideologies. Um, I just start to think about who the parents are uh, and at what point, like what personality might they be closest to? And when did they diverge from that? Um, was that a conversation at all between you two or Abel, even as you were writing the two the two roles? We talked about it, Abel. Um 
I mean, first off, my brother's in the military and I'm an actor for crying out loud. <laughs> and um, uh, we often wonder, we're all not so different as we think. You know, this idea that people on the right side of politics or some other different kind of human than some left-wing radical. It's part of a, what I think the movie's trying to talk about is binary thinking, uh, dualistic thinking. And, and that we're all, I think both these men are really trying to be of service in their, their way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mother's a yellow dog Democrat. My father's uh, been a conservative his whole life. And they're both me. They're mm-hmm. both in there. You know, I understand both points of view. I'm capable of of understanding a level of nuance. Um, most of us, a lot of us, unfortunately, today seem to lock onto one or two issues and then they're just on the bus ride for every issue. Sure. Um, or they assume they're against things that they don't under, even understand where the other person is coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this movie kind of dives into the messy heart of that and getting to play both getting to have the lead actor represent both sides of a situation is kind of a wonderful opportunity. Abel, how did, how did that sound? Great. Great. <laughs> you got to come on more of these interviews. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes for the next solo interview. <laughs> uh, well, Abel, I'm about to throw this one out at you. Uh, you have worked with some of the great hey, actors of all time. Keep it simple. Oh, I, I will. Really? I promise. Okay, you, okay, you, okay. You've, you've worked with some of the greatest actors of all time, and and obviously, yeah, you know, myself. you, you really killed him. Yeah. Of, of course, and then obviously you got you got Ethan <laughs> Hawke and, and Harvey Keitel and Willem right, Dafoe. Right. But but I would imagine. You know, you, you go to different actors for different roles for different reasons, but what is a, a constant that you're always looking for? What is a through line that that Ethan Hawke and Willem Dafoe and Harvey Keitel all possess that you're always looking for when casting a role? Um, they get it. They understand it. They, um, like you said, he, you know, he knows our work. He, he knows what we're doing, you know, and he understands what... Um, they understand the material, you know? I mean, they just understand themselves. They understand what they're, you know, coming into. And, um, you know, there's the connection that you just, some, you know, there's some act, I'm working with somebody I've never seen anything he's done. You know, it, it's like, I just haven't, you know, with, I'm an instinctive filmmaker, man, you know what I mean? So it's like, if I get the vibe, I'm, I'm gonna run with it, mm. you know? And, but at the end of the day, it's, I think it's the intelligence, it's the compassion, it's the, um, they care about the film, you know? They care, they, they really care about the movie, that, that this process is important, that this counts, you know? That it's really, you know, it matters. You know, it's about intent, you know, mm. I think. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. 
Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, Ethan, you were mentioning that it's the actor's job to sort of champion filmmakers, champion voices, um, and and the screener that we sat down to watch led with that with that um, message that you recorded for it. And so I I wanted to know if uh, with this advent of streaming services, with, with the um, availability of wider platforms, if that process of championing voices has gotten any easier. Well, when I was younger, I had the opportunity to work with Sidney Lumet. And one of the things that that was his last film, he was 83 and he was extremely knowledgeable and extremely passionate. And uh, one of the things I remember him saying to Phil Hoffman and I is that it's always changing. Making movies is in a constant state of change. When he started, it was live TV was the sexy, cool thing. Then live TV was lame. People didn't want to do it. Then it's, it's cinema. It was changing into television at the end of his life. And he always talked about the benefit, the way to weather the change of time is to be true to yourself. And, and that the times around you just constantly are, are moving. And, but there is some consistency inside you that whatever part of him loved 12 Angry Men was the same part of him that enjoyed making Q&A or Before the Devil Knows You're Dead or... Um, the verdict or whatever later works you want to champion. And, and I, I don't really, I think the pandemic and the skyrocketing of streaming has been valuable in a way because it's shown people how much we value storytelling. We just value the hell out of it. Um, my kids don't, you know, I got a 23 year old, I got a 19 year old and they don't even really think about whether something's a movie or a show. They think about whether it's good. Right. Um, personally, I am drawn to stories that have a beginning, middle and end, have a thesis, have something to say. I'm a little dubious of entertainment content mm-hmm. things. It starts to feel like a magazine article to me versus a novel. I mean, I go to the doctor's office. I'm on a plane. I enjoy looking at a magazine because I don't have I'm not, I don't want to concentrate that hard. I really enjoy sitting down to watch a great film by a filmmaker and a bunch of artists that have something they're trying to communicate to me in this amount of time that I feel like will leave me. It's not just entertainment. They're trying to feed me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's always going to be my favorite thing. 
what, how streaming can interact with that and how important it is to have a community environment. I mean, Abel and I have never sat down in a movie theater and watched this movie. That hurts. I don't know. Mm. It just doesn't feel right, you know? And, and uh, it's a, but you know, that we're not the only two filmmakers that that's happened to in the last couple of years, you you know? Uh, And so I don't know. The only thing that's the same is change. Right. And by the time I, by the time I lay some comment down about it, it'll have changed underneath me. So (laughs) that's a good point. Very true. Um, Ethan, it's, it's hard to imagine last month was the 20th anniversary of training day. And yeah. I, I, I truly believe that, that one of the uh, best moments of your career is you in the bathtub with the shotgun in your face screaming, I have a little girl. Like, it's just such a powerful moment. So I, I kind of a two-part question for you. One, really what you remember about that day, because it's such a powerful place that you got to. And two, correct me if I'm wrong, I seem to remember that that was your Oscar clip that they showed at the ceremony whenever you were nominated. And do actors care what clip they show whenever they're nominated and they're in the auditorium? Like, are you ever curious? Like, oh, I wonder what part of the movie they're going to show. Well, for the sake, I mean, I know this will be extremely unlikable, what I'm about to say, but I'm not running for office. I'll tell you, I remember that clip because I was like, fuck, that's a good clip. (laughs) You know, like, you know, the whole world's watching. and, and, And sometimes somebody gets announced a reward and they show some clip and it seems kind of insipid and uninteresting. And I, I thought, if it was a competition for best clip, I won. <laughs> <laughs> we were joking about, you see the uh, reactions on certain actors' faces where they're like, that's the one you chose? <laughs> like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it, and, that, and they never ask you or anything. And sometimes you, you can tell it's totally embarrassing because the clip is very uninspired. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I love that movie. And I remember everything about that day. That's one of the things I love about, about making films. Abel, I, I bet it's the same for you. The time period of my life that I'm actually making a movie on a set with some a group of other people that want to make a movie, I remember almost everything. It's like, you know, you hear players talk about a game that happened 30 years ago and they remember, well, it was two strikes, one ball, he threw a slider, um, Joey was on second base, we made eye contact. That's the way it is for me. I remember about that day, particularly Denzel stopped by the set and he watched for a little while and he went, damn, I'm not in the best scene in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, Abel, I w- I'm curious when you were writing these two brothers, if it was always the intent to have the same actor play both of them. We've been doing this, you know, the last couple of movies, you know what I mean? For, it just happened to have a father son deal hmm. and uh, will play to both. So, you know, I was, um, yeah, I'm not really thinking, you know, and I, when I'm thinking of these characters, it's like, unless I know he was going to, Ethan came on after actually we had the, 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 um, the script as it, <laughs> a much maligned 18 page script we had. Um, you know, so I was just thinking of these guys, once, you know, I decided, you know, that Ethan came, you know, and then it's another thing you're talking about champion filmmakers, you know, I mean, the point is, Ethan came out to nothing. There was no film. There was no, There was 18 pages. There was no money. There was no nothing. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I don't know what I was asking him to do. You know, he asked me, what, you know, what do you, what do you, what is it in an actor? Is it a guy who's going to say yes to 
you know, a complete dream, you right. know, right, right. basically, you know, and his presence it makes the dream is usually the piece that makes the dream the reality, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, it was gonna, it's kind of an obvious choice. And then when he told me his brother is in the, you know, the Green Beret, right? Or yeah, whatever, yeah, right. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to out his brother, but you know, it's, um, <laughs> you know, then it was like, okay, now we're, you know, now we're talking. Right. Yeah. And then who's going to play his brother? You know, I mean, who could possibly play his brother better than him? Right. True. Good point. Except his brother. (laughs) 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 But we didn't want to bring, you know, you know, the, the, uh, the plane ticket, you know, line on a budget was full so <laughs> i love that even Hawk's brother was, was too expensive deal. <laughs> yeah right yeah right exactly it's a low budget you know it's a low budget uh device wow uh abel i, I mentioned to ethan that last month was the 20th anniversary of training day but next year believe it or not is the 30th anniversary of bad lieutenant uh, which is Whoa. just uh, just a flawless film Whoa. and you know and i i'm curious about what you learned on the set of that film that has stayed with you that maybe you even brought to the set of this film? You know, I learned a lot from Harvey as a, you know, as an actor, you know, as a relationship between the director and an actor. And um, yeah, Harvey, Harvey really taught us a lot. You know, same thing, you know, intelligence, compassion, he cared about everyone. He came to that place, you know, it was another you know, he didn't make anything, you know, you know what I'm saying? These guys did the same thing here, you know, like you say, every, yeah, everything's changing, nothing changes. You know, we're doing this for, we're doing it for love and money, you know what I mean? But, you know, in the beginning, it's love. And then if it's, if things work out, then it's money. But, um, you know, Harvey was coming from a different place as an actor. I didn't know him. We didn't know him. You know, he came to our group, you know, we have the same filmmakers, that, you know, same people I'm working with for a while. And, you know, he brought, you know, he just brought a wealth of, of how I need to, to be there for the actor. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, you learn so much on every film. And that one, that's what I really learned. You know, he was so... Um, you know, it's so giving, man. You know, I'm saying, you know, Ethan, Will, you know, Lily Teller, you know, Juliet, they're just so giving, man. You know, the giving, the giving to me, the giving, the giving to the other actors in, in, in the room, you know, and that's, that's the thing that really, um, you know, when that's there, now I, have, I really have a sixth sense for that about who's coming, who's going to deliver that. And it's not going to, you know, I mean, because we're doing this because for the love of it, you know, man, you know what, you know, I mean, we don't, we're not doing it to get stressed. We're not doing it to be pressured. Okay. We had the pandemic, we had this and that, but I look back on zeros and ones. Those are 12 beautiful days. Mm -hmm. I'm like 12 out of 12 or 13 out of 13. Like it was like, yeah, it was, and Ben Lieutenant was like that too, even though, anyway, it was good too. It's true, like what, a- what Abel's saying about when a great performance happens, like Harvey and, and Bad Lieutenant or De Niro and Raging Bull or, or uh, 
you know, there's a lot of examples you could cite where there's some kind of magic that happens between a collaboration that's that's bigger than what any of the individuals could have done on their own. And you feel that you feel bad Lieutenant is personal film for Abel and you feel it's personal for Harvey. And it's like they, they both have something they're trying to communicate and that does, and we're the benefactor of all these sparks going off of both of them communicating at the same time. Mm. Um, and, and when that happens, Denzel and Malcolm X with Spike Lee, it's just like, boom, these, these magical uh, eruptions happen between cl- collaborators. Having said all that, Ethan, as we wrap up, um, are you ready to dive into the circus that is Marvel? <laughs> the opposite end of the spectrum of zeros and ones. Yes. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, they, uh, I just spent the last six months of my life in Budapest working. I see the posters behind you. What is that? What is that? Is that it's, uh, in- Infinity War and Endgame. So. Yeah, nice. You know, I mean, I'm a player. Players play. This is this is where the game's at right now, you know. And right. uh, if it was the fifties, I'd be making a western with John Ford, you know. <laughs> That's what I, uh, you know. You just you got to go and you got to do your best. And um, I found I was shocked at how uh, gifted and passionate everybody I met there was. Um, they care a lot about what they're doing, and uh, they're a really kind group of people that are dedicated to their universe. You know, it was a, I was on a learning curve of trying to catch up with what they've been up to and what they're doing, but I, I, I left the experience really impressed. Very cool. Guys, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, guys. Pleasure. Take care, guys. Both good looking. You're both smart. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping up with you two. That's yeah, all. Doing our best. We want to thank Ethan Hawke and Abel Ferrara for joining us on Real Blend. Zeros and Ones is going to be available on Apple TV and everywhere that you buy movies. It's also going to be available on DVD and Blu-ray at the beginning of the year. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I especially like, I'm glad that Jake brought up uh, Training Day. It's always fun to sort of get the perspective of an actor uh, who has a memorable moment from a scene that resonates with him. And of course, I love that conversation about the Oscar clips. There's a great uh, Twitter account that only runs... Uh, the uh, the Oscar clips and the reaction of the people who are nominated. Uh, make sure you go find that on social media. It's a lot of fun to watch, but that's all that they air. And I know that they have Ethan Hawks on there for training day, so I'm glad that we brought that up. Uh, we will be back with uh, a new episode coming on Friday, of course, as usual. We're getting into the... The release of Spider-Man No Way Home. And I know we're going to break up a non-spoiler and spoiler-type content, so keep it locked here uh, on our YouTube channel. Hit subscribe and turn on your notifications so every time we drop new content, you guys will be the first ones to hear about it. And tell a friend about Real Blend, especially if you love movies, and you know that they love movies too, because we have great conversations every single week with exciting filmmakers and talent, and we want to make sure that you guys uh, follow along in the Real Blend fun.